Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I'm lucky to have as a guest someone I met over dinner a few months back and enjoyed the conversation so much, I was eager to invite her. Mo Moran. Mo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Super happy to be here. Mo is the Director of Sales Development at Greenhouse. So Greenhouse is an enterprise talent acquisition software suite. I think over that dinner, you and I were geeking out over books. So it actually leads to my first question, which you might have answered over dinner, but what's your favorite sales book of all time and why? As somebody who you know has a chosen career path in sales development, I love to talk about Trish Bertuzzi, the godmother of us all. And her sales development playbook, that gave me you know, the first bones of how I thought about structuring out uh, building a sales development org and collaborating on that. I'm with you on Trish's book and all of Trish's work and all of the Bridge Group's work is just absolutely amazing. The topic for today, we're going to talk about the concept of a hot list. So that could mean a lot of things. For you, what is a hot list in the world of sales development? Thinking about all of the contacts you have in your name, your hot list are the people that show you that there are signs that they might be more likely to have that conversation with you than everybody else in your pipeline so far. So the way I think about it is like your first step is to have a strong sense of the types of accounts that are a good fit for your product and your company, the right people to be targeting and with the right message. And then from there, you're running them through a sequence or a cadence of messaging and different types of outreach methods. That's awesome. You get a lot of yeses and a lot of questions and objections from that process alone. However, within that process, which I'll refer to in this context as a bit of a conveyor belt, right? You have to keep that running smoothly. You have to create the right odds for your own success in terms of the numbers or the metrics you're putting out. But what I say you should be kind of obsessively scanning for as you're doing that are people that are showing themselves to you. Those folks then should go somewhere else. That's what your hot list is. I'm curious at Greenhouse how you and your team think about finding the best accounts. What are some of the, I don't know, data sources, tools, approaches? Like how, how do you figure out what the right accounts are? Above all of that, it's, you know, understanding your ICP or ideal customer profile. You know, in the case of Greenhouse selling uh, HR technology, a lot of it has to do with hiring velocity. You want a company to be growing. So if you're listening, I'm curious to know, you know, what are those triggers of what is going on within a company that make them a good fit for you? But then to your question directly, as it relates to prospecting, think you want to identify your core methods. And then I always add an extra bullet to any prospecting list of creative prospecting. So your core methods being you're using your CRM to build reports that are showing you accounts that are already in your database based on a certain set of parameters. That is a great way to be able to prospect in volume. So in our experience, if your goal is to add, you know, something close to 50 or more accounts into your name in a given period of time, I would probably go to Salesforce first. From there, of course, tools like LinkedIn Sales Navigator are helpful. They can show you a broad list of accounts or people. They can show you a really narrow list, but that's a great way to capture, you know, a lot of information that's on LinkedIn. And then to your question too, there's this idea of creative prospecting. Again, understanding the triggers of what makes a company more likely to be in a position to need your services or have a problem that your solution is able to solve. 
and to run different searches to look for more companies like the ones you've already identified, or even simple things like signing up for funding newsletters and checking that every day first thing in the morning. With accounts these days, there are, I guess, an increasing number of technologies that are out there that are helping to prioritize accounts using AI or machine learning-esque types of technologies. Interestingly, early days, is that something you're already relying on or something that you're kind of looking to maybe implement in the next year? It's almost overwhelming how many possibilities there are when it comes to account prioritization. Something that has worked well for us is actually building in-house a pretty simple scoring system. We call it our prospect score, and it pulls in some of the core elements of how we define our ICP or, again, ideal customer profile, and we just apply weighting to that. So, you know, if it's in a certain industry, you might have plus five, or if it's in a certain industry, we might automatically set that score to zero. That acts as a bit of a guide for our reps as they're trying to go out there and look at this whole set of data to determine like, what's a good fit for me to pursue? What should I definitely steer clear of? That's been helpful. Back to account prioritization. I think there's sort of two ways that have emerged. One is the weighting or points-based system that you described that was used and quite successfully continues to be used in the marketing automation space. And that's kind of easy to understand and implement versus like a machine learning or AI approach, which is way more complex to understand and implement, but is more accurate. Is your own internally built points-based weighting system good enough? Do you need to go to the fifth decimal place on machine learning? That's the question. That's the trade-off that I think about a lot. And notice it's the place that I go to when you first ask the question, because it is the simplest. It's a one number. It can't go higher than 10. You generally know if it's above five, it's worth your time to consider. But at the same time, it pulls in like five data points. So it's certainly not the most sophisticated scoring mechanism. It's effective at a high level and as a guide. But, you know, we are also exploring different types of data scoring, like you said, that scan a lot more data points than that one. We are actually in the process of doing that. So it will be interesting to see, like, is it much more effective than this simple score that we've built? And, you know, is it worth our time and resources to invest in figuring that out? Getting back to the hot list concept, right? So you've got your target accounts and now you've got to figure out, I think the way you described it was the people who are, I didn't exactly use the word intent, but I, I was reading between the lines that the hot list people are the ones who are showing stronger intent. Is that accurate? When I'm having this conversation, I use a, a mechanism. Can I share that with you? I'd love it. Okay. So I call it the elements of a hot list and it really goes through like earth, wind, fire, water. So the first part is that earth. So your contacts on your hot list should be grounded and it's grounded in two qualities, which are behavior and then quality attributes. When I say that to you, Jeremy, like what types of behavior might stand out to you that would showcase, you know, intent? I would think of like on-premise and off-premise, right? So website visit, maybe they raise their hand for, I mean, that's an obvious one, I guess, for either white paper download or demo requests. And then the off-site would be whatever, they go to G2 Crowd or what have you. Right. So maybe you have some tools like G2. We're actually utilizing Bombora, which showcases some intent. And I think that those are obvious, but also really important. They downloaded something, they're actually requesting a demo from you, or you've engaged with them and they said, hey, call me back at this time. That person should go on a hot list. It's your duty to get an answer from them. Ideally, it's a yes, but you can work with an objection or a no. 
what also can sometimes go uh, unnoticed are those really perfect fits, right? Not only is it a beautiful, like, bullseye fit within your target type of company that you're reaching out to, but you found a contact who's perfect. It's the right title. They have the right triggers. They're doing the right stuff. Like you might want to go above and beyond with that person. When you find that like unicorn of a contact, put them on your hot list or consider it. Love it. Love it. So that's the earth. What's your next element? Okay. So the next element is wind. So the idea of wind is like the wind, you want to create momentum. So you want to be blowing through your hot list with a variety of outreach methods in quick succession. So it mimics the beginning of, you know, an initial cadence. But what you don't want to do is fall into the trap of only calling someone and you're like, man, they're not picking up the phone. And you don't necessarily just want to fall into that, like dozens of like bubbling up types of follow-ups that are just like, hey, any thoughts, please advise. If someone's not answering, you want to make sure that you're utilizing and leveraging all of your outreach methods. So besides phone and email and sort of standard LinkedIn messages and in-mails, what are some of the more creative ways you like to engage the hot list contacts? First of all, just to reiterate, I think you do really want to be leveraging email, phone, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is often the missing one. I usually find that reps are using phone and email quite frequently, but it's like if we're going through that checklist and I'll ask, show me the last interaction you've had on LinkedIn, that's usually the missing box. So I would say like emphasis on LinkedIn and interacting with your contact that way. But some of the creative methods have been pretty fun to go through. So ones that come to mind specifically are something like a handwritten note. One thing I've heard from other guests that folks have started to do lately is they might send a book with a handwritten note. And inside the book, they don't just sort of drop the book on them. Inside the book, they'll highlight a page or something like that or a portion of a page. And they'll say, hey, Mo, check out page 184. I highlighted something that, you know, maybe an idea you can implement, what have you. So, and obviously it ties back, you know, it's a little self-serving, but it's also selfless. That handwritten note with or without a book, uh, I think is super powerful. And then even on LinkedIn, to your point, you know, I'll test inbound response for our customers and prospects periodically, you know, especially the prospects, I find that they, you know, they really aren't often using LinkedIn. I think another really effective thing right now that remains rare is to send a LinkedIn video message. That's a super powerful way to get someone's attention. Well, we did Earth, we did Wind. Is fire coming next? Fire is relatively simple. It kind of uh, speaks to what we were just talking about. So contacts on your hot list should be contacted with somewhere around five times the creativity and frequency. It shouldn't be a mystery why you should be able to convert most of the contacts on your hot list, at least a quarter of them, depending on, you know, the power that you have behind their intent. One of those reasons is because you're increasing the odds and you're increasing the frequency that you're reaching out to them. It's going to be more likely that you get a response. You don't want to do that with everyone. But for the folks that have showcased some level of intent to you, you tend to hear back from them if you dial up your diversity and creativity and frequency. That makes a lot of sense. My brain went back to, you know, other ideas. I think in New York, it's a tough thing. You and I both work in New York to just show up unannounced. But in other geographies, like you can go knock on the door and hand deliver a gift. So that could be one of your, you know, 5X more touches for sure. The unexpected shows that you care about them and their business and are willing to go the extra mile. Yeah, that's so interesting. Is that something that you can do in Atlanta? Yes. In fact, one of the funny things is, 
and it still happens, by the way. So we op- when we opened up our office in New York, the sales leaders would ask the salespeople and or our, our CSMs like, hey, go drop off some cookies or whatever it happened to be. Bagels in, in New York is very much appreciated. And we would respond back, we, we can't get in the building. So that's not a super viable thing. Those things all have to be scheduled and so on. But definitely in Atlanta and other locales, it's a much more straightforward thing to just, you know, go up and drop those things off. I really think like the power of a physical gift can have a big impact and I think it depends. Like if you really have an awesome company or account that you're gung-ho on converting, you feel really strongly the timing is right and your product is right, set yourself apart. So whether it's showing up on the doorstep, which I love the bravery of that, or, you know, maybe there's something in previous interactions that you might be able to draw from and, you know, you find that donut shop that they mentioned in an early conversation and you figure a way to get some donuts delivered, you put a note on it, it's like that person is going to be compelled to respond to you in one form or another. The other one I was thinking about is executive engagement, right? Is very likely that, you know, your senior execs are somehow connected to your prospect senior execs. So I'm curious if you do that at Greenhouse, how do you leverage your most senior execs? Be connected with all of those people on LinkedIn at your own company and in your network checking for those network connections, especially, that's an easy way to go ask, hey, what's the relationship here? Maybe they've engaged, you know, in a previous sales cycle. Maybe it's something personal. If that's the case, that's great. And you can get an introduction. But to your question more broadly, something that I encourage my team to do is like ghost write a note. It's like, hey, what would you like the CEO to say to this person? Give it a shot, edit them a draft so you're making it really easy for them to send. Of course, they can add, edit, delete before they ship that out, but that's a method we employ uh, in a lot of instances. Our CEO, Kyle, and our senior execs are always saying to our SDRs and our account executives, leverage them. It's it's one of the best uses of a senior executive's time is to help out AEs and, and SDRs to get meetings. But I find there's this reluctance on the part of SDRs to actually do that. Maybe it's obvious, but wh- wh- where do you think that reluctance comes from and, and how do you get through that? I don't know. I think that part of it is feeling like, you know, I don't want to burden this person or I'm sure they're very busy or, or, or. But I definitely encourage if you're listening to this and you've never done that, find someone in your name or somebody that you're pursuing or someone that you would put on a hot list and, you know, draft on behalf, send it to your, maybe your VP or your CEO or the best person suited and see how it goes. I really think sometimes it's not top of mind because, you know, when something is creative, it's not in your regular suite or in your routine of outreach or process. So sometimes I think it's just about remembering that you have the option to do that. What do we miss? We covered the earth, wind, and fire. What, what do we miss? Yes, there's one very key element, Jeremy. It is water. This list doesn't survive without this element. So the last thing is that this list should be fluid. So there is something that I've recently discovered that I'll call comfort of the hot list. What you have is an awesome list. It's grounded in qualities of you know that perfect fit and behavior. You're moving through those people with quick succession in terms of outreach. You've gotten creative. However, if that list doesn't move, then it will die out. So the idea is that you want to constantly be adding and removing people to this list. What I like to say is your hot list should look like a pile of ruins at the end of every month. So your win with a hot list, yes, you want a yes, but 
like I said in the beginning, your goal is to get an answer from everybody on it. So again, if it's a yes, amazing. You highlight that person or, you know, you put a label on them if you're using something digital. Or if you're getting a no or an objection, great. You have some context now for how you or somebody who comes after you might pursue them when the timing is right. So what you want to kind of keep in mind is when your list is no longer recognizable or if it's a little messy, then you want to bump the people who are still in play up to the top and you want to start a new list. So the idea here is it's like throughout your workflow and it happens simultaneously, which is nice. This is not like you need to block time off in your day to do this effectively. You're adding people you're crossing them off and you're highlighting them. You mentioned in that sort of how people manage. Are you prescriptive with your team about how they manage the people who are on those hot lists or what do you recommend? I think there's a balance in there. I think oftentimes my team teaches me new ways to be pursuing these folks. But what I do like to do is kind of run drills. So, you know, if you think about any like athletic coach you've had, a lot of it is like, you know, do this, lift your elbow, do it again, do it again, running through the basics. So how I like to approach a hot list if I'm working with someone is like, hey, talk to me why this person is on here. What's the last thing you've done and what has your sequence of outreach been? And then I try to go through and find things that they haven't done yet. So like I mentioned, a lot of times they've left out LinkedIn. So it's like, great, that's an easy next step for you. If they've done the whole gamut, I have two things that come after somebody actually executing this well, which is the importance of multi-threading. Hey, can we add someone else into this conversation and see if we can't get some uh, motion created again? Another contact at the same company. An additional contact, exactly. If people want to learn more about Greenhouse or get in touch with you, Mo, what's the best way to do that? Please find me on LinkedIn. I love to connect. I would love to have a chat. I would love to hear you know, what stood out to you from this conversation today. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.